Section 30 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sawyer Ruiz. A Minor War History by Martin Alonzo Haynes. Letters 86 and 87. Headquarters. Sickles Division, near Falmouth, Virginia. Sunday, February 8, 1863. Have you begun to wonder why I have not written for a fortnight? Well, I have made another lightning change and am now on the provost guard at division headquarters. I am not prepared to say that I exactly relish the change. I was thinned in for a comfortable, easy-going winter without much work when I was pitch-poled into this place where it is nothing but hard work. Lawrence and I were notified by the orderly sergeant that we were detailed for special duty, that we were to take our entire outfit with us and report to the adjutant. We dismantled our shack, packed it up, and reported. We found nine more victims from other companies. I was placed in charge of the squad and ordered to report to the provost marshal at Sickles headquarters. It snowed and was awfully cold. Along with detachments from other regiments of the division, we were quartered two nights in a barn, which was dry enough, but we came near freezing. Then we pitched our tents and began to hustle to make ourselves comfortable. In company with four from my own squad and two from the 1st Massachusetts, I am now comfortably housed in a log and canvas palace, 17 by 7 feet, inside measurements, with a big fireplace and good bunks. I've been promoted for gallant and meritous cheek. When I reported my squad, I gave in, of course, the names and ranks of all as privates. My first detail was for guard duty. I stood a post for two hours, and I did a lot of thinking. I had been taking things in and had discovered that a private soldier on provost guard had about the worst job in the army. It was not only guard duty, but police duty of all kinds, and they were hewers of wood and luggers of water for everybody. I wasn't brought up that way, and at last I made a guess, and I guessed that I made a pretty good guess. When I came off post, I marched up to the marshal's tent, saluted and delivered the following oration. Captain, I am Private Hayes, of the 2nd New Hampshire. The order for detail from my regiment called for ten privates and a corporal. We are very short of non-commissioned officers, so I was placed in charge as an acting corporal. It was my oversight and not so stating when I reported my detachment. So I was given a post as sentry today and have stood it, but I thought it would be best to call your attention to the matter. When the next relief was called, Sergeant Major Featherstone announced, Corporal Haynes, take charge of this relief. Relieved from a common laborer's drudgery and from the heavier part of guard duty, I will get along, probably as comfortably as I would with the regiment, and I am in position to make it easier for my boys from the second Featherstone seems to have had a pretty high idea of the average capacity of my New Hampshire Yankees. The other day he called on me for a skilled woodworker who could do repair work mainly. I recommended my bunkmate Lawrence, and now George has the softest job of any man on the guard. Nothing to do but whittle, and the axe helves and tool handles he turns out to replace the broken ones are really a credit to his skill. My box has not come yet. The express matter is at Belle Plain, but it is hard to get anything but army supplies up over the railroad. I have not seen James for some time. His camp is a mile and a half from here, and I have stick pretty close to these headquarters just now. I have heard that the 9th Army Corps, to which his regiment belongs, is on the way to North Carolina. If so, I should not see him again. He was over here a few days ago, but I was off in the woods with the squad of men. I never saw him again. He was killed the following year at Spotsylvania. Letter 87, Headquarters, Barry's Division, near Falmouth, Virginia, February 15, 1863. Out I go again into the cold. The same old story. Somebody else is enjoying the cozy quarters I helped build over at Fitzhugh's house, while I am sitting in my little shelter tent, 
hardly big enough for two, with the rain pouring and all my surroundings wet and uncomfortable. It all comes to the fact that Sickles, having been put in command of the Corps, retained his old quarters as Corps headquarters while Barry, put in command of the division, has to set up housekeeping somewhere else, taking the division provost guard along with him, of course. We are now about two miles from the camp of the second, and fully a mile from any of the division, and it is said that we are to move again in a day or two. The entire brigade is out on a picket now. Went out three days ago, and rations have been sent out for three days more. They're out six or seven miles above Falmouth. My box has not reached me yet, and I am getting a little mad about it. Many of the boys have got theirs, which started at the same time, but there is still a great pile at the landing, and mine is probably among them. Charlie Vickery has got back to looking like a new man. I was glad to see him, for he brought me a half dollar's worth of postage stamps, just as I was all out and wondering where I would get more. The furlough excitement might as well be set down as a delusion, except for a favored few. Only one man in my company, Dave Perkins, the orderly sergeant, has got one yet. A one a week, for every ten days. You see, by the time the last man gets his furlough, it will be time for his discharge. It will not be many weeks before Uncle Joe Hooker will be making a forward movement and the furloughs will be shut off with a snap. As a matter of form, and just to see what he would say, I asked Lieutenant Gordon, commanding of the company, to send my name in among the first. He said he should give the married men the preference. When I asked him if the men who were engaged had any special standing, he looked as if he thought I was trifling. Major Bailey was before a court-martial a few days ago. Ed must be getting used to it. The charge was, I believe, disrespect of a superior officer. I have not heard the result. End of section 30. Recording by Sawyer Ruiz.